Blog Talk Radio. In case you missed it, here's a clip from last week's Fantasy Jester Show. Who's crazier, Ryan Walton diving with sharks, or Luke Aikens, no relation, obviously, diving out of a plane with no parachute? Ryan Walton, forget that, man. You can't control no sharks, but... Yeah, Ryan is crazy. Ryan is the, the stuff he does with these sharks, man. He treats them like little kids or puppies, or it's crazy. That's crazy. <laughs> so, okay, uh, which would you it. rather do: dive with sharks with Ryan Walton, or have to cover Gronkowski? Hmm. <laughs> I like the shark diving, but man, Gronk, I love that challenge. Nice. I might have nice. to take Gronk. Okay. And then lastly, I always ask everybody this, Walt, favorite funny story that you can share with us from the team that allow me to still be on air next week. My, my boy Bobby McCain, um, what have you, he got a peek in the game or something, made a big tackle, and Xavier Howard came up and, and smacked him on the butt during the game, and Bobby flew like five yards, and we didn't let him live that down the entire year. That mess was so funny. It was a meme and everything. <laughs> Thank you so yes. much for coming on and taking this time tonight. We we all appreciate fin- it. And fins up. Most fins Thank up, you all for having me. Fins up. Hi, everybody. This is Ken Danico, three-time Stanley Cup champion of the New Jersey Devils, and you are listening to the hard-hitting Fantasy Jester Show. And if it's the hard-hitting fantasy jester show, I will give you, I'll tell you what, I won't even give you three guesses. I'll give you four who this is. How's everybody doing tonight? Fantasy Jester here, coming to you live. Beautiful. Leesburg, Florida. Absolutely gorgeous night. Thank God it has stopped raining here in Florida. It's Sunshine State. My, <clears throat> I'll be nice off the start. Let's just say it's not always sunny in Philadelphia and in Florida. How's everybody doing this week? You ready for a good one? We have a great one for everybody this week. Fantasy Justice Show brought to you by FantasyJesterSports.com. Blog Talk Radio, if you're listening live, you're listening to that crystal clear sound. And you know what? Pretty much other place you can find a podcast, you'll find the Bluebeard me. How's everybody? Let's do this. Sports stats and special guest, Dr. Alan Nathan, PhD. Great show this week. Guys, ladies, we are very proud to bring you the chair of the committee that was commissioned by MLB, Dr. Alan Nathan, PhD. The committee was asked to study the increased home run rate. Jester and the doctor sit down and talk about that report one-on-one as part of this week's crop report. And if you have been following that crop report, and it seems like a bunch of you have been, fantasy baseball players have been loving it. Doesn't matter if it's been this year's redraft leagues, dynasty leagues, keeper leagues. We have been given some phenomenal players. I'm going to talk the V word a little today. It is that weekend. So what's going on? If you've missed the Jester's prediction, we're going to go over that tonight. NBA finals. (laughs) Wow. You know, I've got a lot to say. It's only been one game. I'm actually, I can't believe I'm paying attention 
uh, to what's going on. But you know what? I actually I find myself sticking up for LeBron tonight. Oh, my Lord. Hopefully, uh, lightning will strike before I have to do that. NHL finals, folks, you know, it's that time again. Golden Knights, Washington Capitals, and it says here, <laughs> it's going to get just started. Everyone, duck. What are we ducking for? No, you know, I, I, the producers write this up, and I'm supposed to go ahead and read it and smile and all that. But you know, what do you mean, everybody duck? I, you know what? I'll tell you what. I don't even want to talk about it. I don't even want to talk about it. It could start my rant, and folks, if there is a rant coming, believe me. Uh, this isn't it. It's a half a, it's a warm up rant, you know. Uh, I, I didn't warm up before the show. There you go. Um, but no, oh my lord, really? I, I just want to talk about my favorite sport. Yeah, I really do, uh, and how they're completely uh, taking away any legitimacy by having uh, this expansion team in the finals. I don't. Anyway, you know. Don't forget, we had an auction recently, and uh, folks, we're going to be announcing the new one tonight. This one's going to be for you baseball fans. We just did one for the hockey fans, and if you're new to the show, we do charity auctions for Make-A-Wish. 100% of all proceeds go to the charity. We'll be talking about that tonight. We'll be talking NFL running backs, three quarterbacks. Three running backs, three quarterbacks, and uh, I had posed this question in a great, great fantasy group, uh, fantasy football group on yeah, uh, on Facebook. Year-round fantasy football discussion. If you're looking for a good fantasy uh, football group to go talk with people who like to discuss the game, it's more towards people that are want to talk as compared to get into childish arguments. And, uh, you know, they're a great place to go for that. I'll be talking about some of the questions we posed during the week. And then, obviously, at some point, uh, you know what, we might actually get to it at the beginning. You know, I I think maybe we'll do that. Maybe I'll go switch it up. Uh, People think I'm crazy half the time. And you know what, they might be right. I might be even crazier. But I went and scouted a 10-year-old. I went and scouted a 10-year-old this uh, this past week. And uh, there's a reason why I did. Stay tuned for that one. A phenomenal little boy. And uh, I, I can't wait to give you his story. And uh, we'll be seeing him more. And uh, I've actually come up with a uh, nickname for him, too. So... That'll be announced tonight, and he'll forever be known as that. I mean, he's 10 years old, and I expect to have this kid on the show in, in the future, and uh, I'll be using that nickname. Whatever one sticks the rest of his life uh, is fine, you know, but I, this is mine for him. We'll be having that tonight. And, uh, you know, listen, at the beginning of the show, you heard Fun Times, Walt Akins. If you missed it, go back, listen. That was a clip from last week. We had Fins on Fins, Ryan Walton, JT, myself, Walt Aikens. Absolutely funny, funny, good time. And, uh, you know, right now, though, don't go. Don't go back and listen. Why would you? You got me live right now. Why would you leave? I wouldn't leave. I'm not leaving. I'd like to go listen to it personally. I'm not leaving. Do you see me leaving you? Why would you leave me? 
Anyway, folks, let's get right into this because I want to get the show going. And I really do think I'm going to go ahead and get Dom after my rant. Let's get JT in. You know him as my co-host and everything. We'll be getting him in in a minute. (sighs) My rant is simple. Folks, this past week and now there's an investigation. Isn't there always a... Can we get through a day without an investigation into some stupidity? And this stupidity has us investigating Jerry Colangelo for having multiple Twitter accounts. Who cares? And those Twitter accounts, uh, they were slamming the team and slamming the coach and all this stuff. And who cares? Does it really matter how many accounts this man has if he wants to have one or 100 i don't care and if you're in the nba by now and you haven't learned listen if my dumb little blue bearded ass has learned you don't pay attention you know you don't have a blue beard and expect to not get some flack folks so you just don't pay attention if you're in the nba does it really matter who's tweeting And if they have 9 billion accounts, and now we're going to have this big investigation. Get the hell out of here. Don't waste my time. Don't waste my sports show with that crap either. And I'm not going to waste your time. I'm going to get them right in here. Let's get this underway. Sports stats. And later on, special guest, Dr. Alan Nathan, Ph.D. But right now, the one, the only. He is in the crop report. He's the one of the gridiron guys. He is my right-hand man, and he should be your go-to guy for everything you need to know about sports. You can find him on Twitter at Fez437. Right now, the one, the only, Jason Townsend. JT, how you doing, man? Jester, it's a cool, crisp 96 degrees at this moment here in Dallas, Texas. You know, I'm thinking about breaking out the jacket as we hit 106 degrees with a real feel of 110 today. So nice, balmy June afternoon here in Dallas. So I'm doing good. You know, you talk about uh, your, your rant there with Mr. Colangelo. My question is, Brandon Marshall had to have several accounts as well, at least six of them if I'm not mistaken. You know, how come he doesn't get the flack? That this guy does, I, I just it just seems a little unfair to me. But I agree with you. Who cares if he has a hundred counts, two hundred counts, or one account? It's just it's news for the sake of being news. That's all it is. And, and you know that six accounts of Brandon Marshall and his exploits in different locker rooms, and somehow what is he the new uh, he's the new mental awareness coach or something like that out there? Or I don't know. It's funny. That's, that's the I blind leading that. the blind, if you ask me. <sighs> Let me tell you something, folks. Brandon Marshall is no Bob Tewksbury, and Bob Tewksbury is a mental skills coach. We've had him on the exactly. show. I'd like to, I'd like to ask Bob about that. <laughs> I'd like anyway. to get those two together. Oh, on the same show. On the same on show. The same show. Talk to, we did talk to the rest of the producers about that. We've got to get those two on the same show. That'd be great. That'd be great. Anyway, you know, listen, you know, speaking of crazy, speaking of crazy, people have said I'm pretty nuts for what I did this week. And I, you know, you are supposed to be the king of scouting. Have you ever mm-hmm. scouted a 10 year old? Not in this country. Uh, no, but it, it's, it wouldn't be the first time. 
Folks, you know, I, I, I've got to get into this. I, I was talking about it at the beginning, and I want to switch up the rotation a little tonight, JT, because I I have to talk about this kid. It's been bugging me I, I, all week, uh, ever since I've met him. Folks, this past week, I had the opportunity to go out and catch a baseball series. It was a tournament in Sanford, Florida, at a great name state place, Boom Ba. JT, the place was called Boom Ba. Got to like you that. Like that. It's got a little order <laughs> to it, you know? Yeah. Um, and what happened was, is I, you know, I've been being told about this one kid that plays. And I went down and I, Mrs. Jester and I actually took a ride down and go see this kid. Now, I, I, I don't normally go see 10-year-olds, but the hype on this kid has uh, caught my attention, obviously. And, and before I go about it, let me first say and, and give a lot of thank yous to his team and, and the Fury. They're a team. It's a traveling team, folks. And what it is is uh, there were teams from out of state all in this tournament. And one of the teams is this team out of Boca. And it's called the Fury. And just real quick, I want to give a shout out to the guys and the kids there because really they made us feel at home. And it was a fantastic group of kids. And I don't want any of the youngsters feeling left out in this, JT. So I just got to give a quick shout out to Andrew DeRosa, Dylan Gray, Roman Zabala, Tyler Dennison, Vinnie Blair, Kenny Haddix, Darian Lawrence. Dylan uh, Zadar, uh, Andrew Walker, uh, also not at the tournament, but on the team. we got to give honorable mention to uh, Campbell Harrison and uh, Matt Spina. And also, you know, Micah Billing. The coaching staff, absolutely great guys. Again, I have to say thank you uh, very much to uh, one of the coaches, Joey Harrison, and also the head coach. Jose Zabala, what a great guy, and I love the way he coaches. There are coaches there in that tournament that acted like animals with their kids to, to their players. And, and this guy here is the epitome of what you want coaching your young child. I mean, I was completely impressed by Jose, not just by how he handled the kids, but how prepped they were. And I want to get into that as well. And, of course, also another coach, uh, Mike Mike DeRosa. So great guys, great people. But real quick, folks, I was told about this kid and he plays several positions. And, uh, you know, I was uh, completely impressed. Uh, the day that I saw him, he played several positions and he has a couple of favorite positions. From what I'm told, JT, the kid can play anywhere on the diamond. Now, okay. he, uh, a good portion of the time. I saw three games with him. I stayed for three games worth because he's not really, it really, the team was great. The tournament was fantastic. And this kid has left me, I'm going to call him ice cream. And I'll explain in a little bit. Yeah, no, he's ice cream. And that's his nickname from now on, whenever he comes on. And I saw him. Okay. First here, I'm going to play the interview. And then I'm going to explain what I saw behind this. This kid is polished at 10. How are you polished at 10? How can you produce? And I wanted to have fun. I wanted to go ahead and see, okay, this kid handles the, the field like this. How does he handle an interview? 
Okay, so here's okay. a quick, just a quick, I, I just want to see how he handled it and how he does it. And listen to how smooth he is. Folks, uh, you got the fantasy jester here, and I'm sitting down with Dominic Salter today. Uh, young player, he's watching the major league players now play both sides of the ball. And just want to go ahead. How are you doing today? Uh, I'm doing amazing. Uh, I just played a game, and we won. And now we're moving on to the next round in the tournament. Nice, nice. Now, how long have you been playing baseball? Since I was three, starting at T-ball, and then I got all the way up to travel. Favorite player right now? Uh, I have two, uh, Stanton and Michael Conforto from the Mets. So you like Stanton and uh, you like Conforto. So you follow both teams? You follow the Yankees and the Mets, or you follow the Marlins and the Mets? Who are you following? Uh, I follow, sometimes I do the Yankees. Um, I do the Mets and the Marlins. Nice. Now, when you're out there playing ball, what, what's your positions that you play? Usually pitcher and catcher, and it feels like the best positions for me. Oh, all right. So you like to go ahead and pitch and hit like Otani? Yeah. And um, that's it. <laughs> yeah. No, no, that's good. And then let me – so you, you've been watching Otani. Pretty, that's pretty cool what he does. Yeah, it's really cool. Um, I saw once in a video about on him doing batting practice, and he hit the upper deck in, in, um, in Toronto. Oh, wow, yeah, that's a good shot in Toronto then. And uh, so seeing that and seeing that that's possible, is that something that you'd like to do? Oh, yeah. It would be like one of the greatest feelings in baseball. Wonderful, wonderful. Now, let me ask you something. Obviously, you're a young boy, and uh, you're here playing in these uh, games. And uh, I guess you got your mom out there. Is it, is it your mom out there listening? Mm-hmm. Uh, she's super loud. Oh, your mom. So can you hear your mom when you're on the field? For sure. Oh, yeah? Would you say your mom has the one of the biggest mouths out there? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she does? Okay, you can hear her, no problem. Okay. Does Is it sometimes embarrassing, or do you mind it, or do you like it? I don't really care. I just know that she, I know that she's just cheering for me. And you're probably used to it by now. Oh, yeah. All right, great. Thanks for joining us, and good luck in the rest of the tournament. Thank you. <laughs> That's 10 years old, doing an interview like, oh, yeah, sure, I do this shit every day. Uh, you is know. that Ah, uh, You know how it is, man. Today's media age, and, uh, you know, everybody's got a video camera right there on their cell phone, and, hell, kids that age have cell phones. So, I, you know, to me it just seems like it, it's almost natural at this point now. You know, what's crazy is this, okay, from the different standpoints with this young man, and it is, he, he, his favorite positions to play are pitcher and catcher. And like I said, uh, I was told he can pretty much play anywhere on the diamond. And when I was there, he played um, predominantly second. Now, mm-hmm. between the research, I mean, the kid's watching videos uh, of people already, okay, and doing interviews like this. But are you ready? Okay. Ten years old, folks, and here's what he does. He's playing second base. Now, uh, you can understand that possibly he was either coached or he picked up small things along the way at the age of 10. And one of them, you know, coming up behind the uh, runner and pounding on the glove, making like he's going to get the throw, the pick off at second and all that. 
he's doing that kind of stuff. And, you know, you kind of figure at that age they should be picking that up. What he picked up, JT, after this, though, is absolutely the funniest, okay? You're playing second. Mm-hmm. You're covering the base. You get the ball. You go to place the tag. The guy makes it in there, okay? As you place the tag, player is safe. Ten years old. Pulls the hidden ball trick. <laughs> hey, Pulls the you hidden know what? ball trick. Any age. Pulls, wait, 10 years old had the wherewithal to pull the hidden ball trick. Now, and, and pulled it off. Face a throw, okay? Face, face like he was going to go to the pitcher, but then just turned around, okay? Kept the ball, okay? And as soon as the kid stepped off the bag, he tagged him. Out. No. Right. No, they didn't call it. What happened was they called, and I thought it was a weak call myself, all right? And I got to be honest, not because I was pulling for the kid. I didn't say anything. I just thought it was a horrible call. They said that the pitcher was too close to the rubber, and it looked kind of deceiving. So they, call, they, they called it a balk instead. Mm, of course. Well, we, you know, we know um, how officiating is these days. Well, yeah, uh, yeah, it was NBA like, um, but no, seriously, Very. this kid's playing the hidden ball trick. So between the hidden ball trick, the the fact that I saw him not just hit, but walk mm-hmm. a couple of times. He's got a good eye. He's got a good arm. He's okay. pulling the hidden ball trick. He can do interviews. He plays pitcher. He 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 catches this that the other. Ice cream. You know why? He is smooth. That kid is smooth. When you see somebody that age, okay, that is just that polished and that relaxed, you heard him in the interview. That's how, that's his attitude on the field. He's just yeah. relaxed. No, very. So yeah, very very calm, cool, and collective, no doubt. Anyway, it was good, folks. Dominic Salters is a name that I wouldn't be surprised if we continue to hear more of as he gets older through the ranks. We've heard of Otani. We got Brendan McKay over for Tampa Bay. We've had on the show college baseball player Brett Brubaker playing both ways. I wouldn't be surprised if this is one of those kids, and you're going to continue to see this now throughout MLB, uh, a lot of young players like Dominic Salter. So uh, I had to go see what the hype was. And I, I got to be honest with you, JT. Uh, it left me giving the kid a nickname. That's how impressed I was. So uh, good times, good times. You know, you mentioned the, hmm, we've seen better refereeing and umpiring and whatnot. We've mentioned the mm-hmm. NBA. Right. Uh, just real quick, you know, because I want to keep going. I want to get at, Definitely want to get the crop report going. People have been looking for that. But I hate to say it. You know, LeBron, that was that was not a charge. Did you think that that was a charge? I mean, that should have never come down to that end there with JR and all that stuff and how he, that guy right. messed up. Because that should never have been a charge. Ah. Uh. In, you know what? The to me, it, you know, the, this wouldn't be the first time the NBA has been called into scrutiny for their uh, tactics. You know, go back to the '70s when the NBA was on life support. If it wasn't for Irvin Magic Johnson and Larry Bird, the NBA may not have uh, been around today to even have this conversation. The officiating yeah. throughout the NBA season 
and the, the playoffs of finals has been horrible. The games are called – it's TV ratings calls. Anything we can do to get these games to seven games so we can keep raking in the money so the fools that are actually watching it will, will – you know, you get more advertising dollars, you get more ticket sales, jersey sales, whatever. To me, the officiating is horrible. I think the NBA's bent. I think, uh, as I've said before, Vince McMahon should be the commissioner of the NBA, kick Adam Silver out on his ass. So I, I'm not going to argue with you. I can't stand LeBron, but I'm not going to argue with you. More and more, I see myself really getting happy that we're going to switch to predominantly uh, baseball and, and football after these two seasons are done. Because you look at my NHL, and I touched on it briefly, and I really don't even want to touch on it. We, Folks, for those of you who missed it, we both said Washington in six Okay, simply because of this, I've said that the NHL has made my sport the biggest travesty ever by allowing a first year team to supposedly get this far. I mean, how you can't do any more to take away the credibility of the NHL Mm -hmm. than to have an expansion team be in your showcase game. Stop it. Stop it. That's that's just. Absolutely ridiculous. And by the way, for those of you, uh, you know, JT the other day had mentioned about wanting a, uh, we're working on a uh, company plane. <laughs> and uh, oh, yeah. I told him, I told him we, we're trying to get one for each of us, and but first we'll get one and we'll take it from there. And But if anybody happens to have, and not for a plane though, um, if you're interested in a home in Florida, if you have a $28 million, uh, to punk down, Shaquille O'Neal is putting Shakapoko uh, on the uh, oh. block. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, Shaka, Shakapoko. TNT <laughs> not paying the bills these days, huh? Uh, God. Uh, no, listen, that 28 mil, that should cover his food for next next uh, year. So he'll be all right. Close. It'll be I close. love that guy though. I do love him. He is such a he's such a nice guy. He really, really is. I can't say I don't want to say anything negative about Shaq. I, I really do love that guy. He is so nice. Anyway, well, folks, go ahead. You can say. I was gonna say in the vicinity in which you live, he's not that far away, so it would probably behoove you to not say anything negative about that guy. Mm, yeah, probably that would help too. Uh, I worry yeah. less about that uh, than you know saying something negative about somebody who doesn't deserve it, and that that's more important than that. It wouldn't be the first time I've had my ass kicked or done ass kicking. Who knows? Baseball bat to his knees works just as well. Anyway, <laughs> folks, and <laughs> let's get to it. You know, I've got to get right into this. We're gonna have. Dr. Alan Nathan at the end of this, but first, everybody's been talking about it. Everybody's been loving it. If you are a fantasy baseball player, the crop report is something that you don't want to miss each week as we get you ready for your fantasy playoffs. And real quick, before that crop report starts, you know, a couple of people asked me in Yahoo, and I told them I'd give it on air. I didn't have time to answer real quick. Everybody had a bunch of questions there. I said, I'll get to a bunch of things on air. One of those things that people were asking, Yahoo platform, they were asking me, what is the worst team to own right now according to the playoff schedule? That would be San Diego. If you're in Yahoo platform and you have any San Diego players currently until the rainouts, if there's any changes or whatever, 
currently San Diego is your worst team in the Yahoo mm-hmm. playoff system. The three weeks, they play only five games the first week, six games the second, and six games the third. And uh, if you've got teams out there getting 20 games in, well, I'll tell you what, I'd rather have them. So if you can, make those trades now. Trade away those San Diego players. A lot of you holding on to, like, Will Myers and all that. Soon as he comes back, soon as he shows that he's healthy and he's batting well, trade him. Trade him, trade him, trade him. Well, and I mean, the last time I saw, I think you – well, real quick, you're talking about Yahoo. You showed me something uh, last week. Uh, Is the record still looking like it was when you showed me? You had a nice little little roll going this year. The – what JT is alluding to is, yeah, last week, folks, I sent him a screenshot, a little little braggadocia. We like to do this back and forth good, uh, with each other. And uh, in my one Yahoo profile for the money leagues there, I showed him a week where I swept everybody. Matter of fact, even one in the, my ESPN league with the guys, with JT and the guys, and was able to go ahead, pull the complete sweep of every fantasy league I'm in last week. And, uh, Actually, I have to admit, JT, I'm looking like it's right now, the way it stands, I'm losing one. I'm tied in one, and I'm <laughs> winning the rest. That's the, guy, that's the kind of role. And, folks, you know, for those of you who are new and don't know what we're talking about, for those of you on the Yahoo platform, last year, 90-plus percent in the money. This week, this year, looking like the same thing. Yes, there is a formula. Yes, I have it. I, I mean, I'm not trying to be a, an idiot when no, I it's say that. No, the truth is the truth. Yeah, yeah. I can provide whatever necessary uh, things that you need. I had somebody call out my – somebody uh, looked up the one profile for the new teams I have this year, JT, when the guys are uh, in, in the group. And uh, it was funny as hell because um, – He's like, oh, oh, look, I, I thought you were talking about how good this is. And I was like, uh, yeah, well, that's not – and he goes ahead and he posts his Yahoo record to me. And I go, okay. well, that's adorable. I go, well, that's absolutely adorable. And he's busy picking on that. I said, but first of all, you have to understand this is the first year for that one. So, yes, it, it's still a building. I said, but keep an eye on it. And it's funny. And right after he says that is when I post the perfect week. Um, so I, you know I sent that. You know I sent well, yeah, that, that picture. Yeah, you had to. Uh, uh, but then I also sent the screenshot of my one of my other actual profiles as well that showed more. I have more wins than he had games played. So um, that kind of zipped him up real quick. Folks, yeah, it it is real. I'm sorry. I know I'm going to piss a lot of people off sounding like I'm bragging. I'm really not. Listen, I'm the biggest moron when it comes to playing fantasy basketball, okay? I have no idea uh, how I'm only in the 60% range of of money, okay? That's my worst sport. But you know what? Yahoo Baseball and the Yahoo platform, okay? I don't care who you are. I'll take you out, period. Let's get to the crop report because you know what? Here is how I do it. Because I surround myself with guys like JT, Tate, myself, and our little research team that we have. You see, while you guys all have just yourselves, 
We have a team that works together. The three of us are a great research team. And between the three of us, we produce the records that we all have. So enjoy the crop report. Billy Bob Jester here, folks. And boy, let me tell you something. It's time for that there crop report. And I'm happier than a pig on the farm to bring them there fellas, JT and Tate. I swear to God, I'm going to shoot that guy one day. He really. Oh, wow. I nailed it. That's good. (laughs) Really, I'm going to shoot that guy one day. I can't take it anymore. But what I can take is what has become. (laughs) I'll tell you, the emails that I've been getting has been phenomenal. Thank you so much to all of you out there. Absolutely fantastic. The crop before it is uh, growing, <laughs> if you will. That's right. It is growing. It continues to grow. We continue to water it with some of the greatest stats that you've been finding very useful for you, especially you dynasty players. Absolutely loving the crop report. So let's go ahead. Let's get this going right now. Let's get Tate in here. Tate, go ahead. Why don't you kick it off for us? Hey, how are you guys tonight? And thanks again for everybody out there listening to us here on the Fantasy Jester Show and tuning in for the Crop Report. Uh, The last few weeks, we've uh, talked about a number of guys, and a lot of the guys we've talked about have been guys from the Braves organization. Tonight, we're going to go back there. There's a good reason we're talking about the Braves organization and a lot of their players, a lot of their prospects. A number of them have already been called up such as Ronald Acuna, Mike Soroka, Luis Gohara. Um, we've talked about Austin Riley last week. This week, we're going to talk about another one, the number two prospect in the Braves organization. I'm going to start off with Kyle Wright. He's a uh, 22-year-old right-handed pitcher that was the t- fifth overall pick in the 2017, 2017 draft for the Braves organization. And he is currently playing in A with the Mississippi Braves in his uh, career so far, since being drafted last year in 2017, he's hasn't pitched a lot of innings, but he's not, he's working his way up. He's definitely somebody to keep an eye on. As I said, he is the uh, number two prospect in the Braves organization so far this season. He's pitched in 11 games. He's three and five with a 4.27 ERA. And he's gone 52.2 innings, 49 hits, 28 runs, given up two homers, 24 walks, and 50 strikeouts, putting him at a 1.39 whip. And he's got a 247 opponent batting average against him so far this season. So he's definitely down there working on stuff and putting some innings on his arm overall between this year and last year. Last year, he started late being a draft pick in June of last year. Uh, so he only played nine games between rookie league, rookie league ball and high A. He went uh, 0-1 with a 2.65 ERA and only pitched 17 innings. So in his entire minor league career so far since being drafted, he's only gone 69.2 innings. So it's not a big, not a big window of experience yet, and he's going to need a little bit of time, in my opinion, to uh, put some more innings on his arm and get his, his arm strength built up to be a long-term guy in the Braves rotation. But I do think he's worth 
watching and stashing on your roster for you dynasty league players. Uh, probably a guy that, in my opinion, may get a shot as, as early as next year. Maybe, possibly a spot start or a bullpen relief spot in September this year when rosters expand, but most li- more likely September next year, in my opinion. But uh, definitely a guy to keep an eye on. As far as his scouting grades go, he's got an overall rating of 55. And again, just a reminder with the scouting scale, an 80 is the highest you can be. So a 55 is pretty good. Uh, He's got a 65 on his fastball. So really good fastball. 60 on his curveball, 55 on a slider, 55 on a changeup, and a 50 overall for control. So he's still got to work on some control and mixing in some of these other pitches uh, down there at the uh, AA level where he's at right now with the Mississippi Braves. So Kyle Wright, 22-year-old, right-handed pitcher, number two prospect in the Braves organization, somebody to keep an eye on, especially for you Dynasty League guys. JT, who do you got tonight for us? Well, i got to say that Braves organization has really shaped up over the last few years. Some great players in there and many more to come. Let's talk about a guy in the Houston organization, though, for me, Kyle Tucker, 6'4", 190-pound outfielder. He has played center field for a couple years, but I think he projects more as a right fielder when you look at him in the major league level. Guy with a nice, solid arm. But the thing I like about Kyle Tucker is the bat. This kid's got a bat, 55-hit tool, 60-power tool. So when you look at the, you look at that power, that's a nice grade. This is a guy came out of Henry B. Plant High School, and for those of you who live in Tampa, Florida, same high school that put out uh, Major League Hall of Famer Wade Boggs. When Tucker came out, he was considered to have the best hit tool of his class. But if you look over, let's say, 2017, it looked like he traded some of that plate discipline for a little bit more power, club 25 home runs, a guy that's starting to show, hey, I've got some pop, I can hit the ball over the fence. And when you think about that ballpark at Minute Maid in Houston, it really does play to his strength. Kind of an uncanny left-handed swing. Great hand-eye coordination, though. This is a guy that I think is already a major league-ready hitter. The fielding, again, I think he projects more of a right fielder. I think he's a guy that needs to work on that a little bit. Had a slow start to the season. Uh, Fresno AAA, guy that's almost got 200 at-bats now. 55 hits, 7 home runs, 40 RBIs. I like the 45Ks. You're looking at about a 23% K ratio. Some might think that's a little high, but when you look at a player that has his kind of power, I think that fits fits right in. 825 OPS, 26 walks. So the only thing you're really not going to get from this kid is the speed. You're not going to see stolen bases from this guy. But if you look at Houston, outside of Altuve and sometimes Carlos Correa, they generally, A.J. Hinch generally doesn't run a whole lot to begin with. So when I look at Kyle Tucker, you may have heard of his uh, – Big brother, Preston Tucker, who plays for that Braves team that we talked about a little while ago. Seems like the talent runs in the family there. Again, fifth pick overall in the 2015 draft. Number 15 prospect in the major leagues. Number two for the Houston Astros. Houston's loaded. They've got some players. This is one of them. I think you can see this guy just after the All-Star break. Houston's getting nothing from Marwin Gonzalez. That left field position for the Astros I think is a sore spot. Some people may think he's a little later. I think A.J. Hinch pulls the trigger. I think we see him up just before the All-Star break, if not right after. So, Kyle Tucker, get him on your team. You won't be upset. Tate, what do you got for me? 
sticking with the outfield and kind of the same situation, I'm going to talk about Austin Hayes and the Baltimore organization. Uh, he's currently listed as a right fielder, but he's come up playing mostly center field, and they've kind of moved him over to right field this year. Uh, he's 22 years old, right-handed batter, and throws right-handed as well. But uh, he's the number one prospect in the Orioles organization. Uh, so, somebody you may have heard of because he did get some time up last year. He was called up with the big club on September 5th last year and played basically the last month month of the season. Got in 20 games, got 60 at-bats at the major league level. He did okay, not not anything superb, but, but did okay. He was uh, four runs, 13 hits. Three doubles, one homer, eight RBIs. He had uh, two walks and 16 strikeouts, uh, 277 batting average, uh, 238 on base, 317 slugging, and 555 OPS. So not not a huge not huge numbers for him, but he did okay, held his own, and uh, had a had a little taste of the major leagues. Uh, I want to talk about his career minor league numbers though first. Before I talk about what he's doing this year, his career minor league numbers, he's played in 209 games, 837 at-bats, so a pretty good sample size. He's got a 308 batting average, 347 on-base percentage, and 534 slugging and 881 OPS. It's totaling up to 258 hits, 45 doubles, 9 triples, and 42 home runs, and 134 RBIs. So overall, in that sample size, Got some pretty good numbers. Uh, 42 home runs, 134 RBIs stands out to me. 45 doubles and in the 258 hits. Uh, his scouting grades, he's got a 55 hit number, a 60 on the power. So like I said, with the 42 home runs, the power number stands out. Uh, a 50 on the run, so not somebody that's going to steal a lot of bases. He's got a 60 on his arm, so nice uh, throwing, throwing it back into the infield or throwing somebody out at home plate good possibility for this guy out in the out in center or right field and a 55 fielding for an overall scouting grade of 55. But uh, let's talk about what he's doing this year right now in double a with the Bowie Bay Sox for the Orioles. Uh, he's played 43 games, 174 at bats seems to be struggling a little bit. He's got 224 average 259 on base 374 slugging and a 633 OPS. As far as his hit numbers go in 174 bats, 39 hits, four doubles, two triples, six home runs, and 18 RBIs with 22 runs scored, five stolen bases, nine walks, and 43 strikeouts. So I mentioned his career numbers first because you see that 308 batting average compared to the 224 that he's at right now. He's kind of struggling a little bit. We're uh, seeing, trying to get, get a feel for the uh, – regular everyday playing and work his way onto that major league roster. Austin Hayes, though, I think if he does f figure things out, he's definitely a guy that will get a shot later this year, whether it's an injury call up, he's the first man up when the Orioles need somebody to, to come up and fill in an outfield spot, or there's talk with the Orioles probably not making the playoffs at this point, even this early in the season that they may try and trade a couple of guys like an Adam Jones or someone to try to clear up some roster and some uh, money issues. But uh, Austin Hayes, somebody to keep an eye on, probably going to be up this year at some point, 
Worst case scenario for him, he comes up in September, but I would see him coming up sometime before that, being the first man up in case of injury or filling for a few days, playing something off the bench. But uh, Austin Hayes, if you've got an open spot on your roster, get him up there. He'll get a shot, and he will put up some home run numbers and some power numbers for you. JT, what do you got next for us? Oh, just a touch quick on Austin Hayes. Kind of reminds me of another Oriole out there, kind of a Chris Davis, a guy that, you know, 240, 250, you know, type of batting average, but a guy that's got prodigious power. I mean, this guy's got some pop. Really looking forward to see uh, what he does when he gets to the show. Now I want to flip over to the pitching side, team that's near and dear to my heart. Yes, it's the Oakland A's. I know I'm probably the only one on this show or in listening to this show that is an A's fan, but let me enjoy myself while I'm here. Let's talk about the number 32 prospect in all of the minor leagues, Jesus Lizardo, six foot one, 205, left-handed pitcher. Good size, good weight. He's got a nice fastball. So this is a kid that Oakland acquired along with Sheldon Deuce when they traded Sean Doolittle and Ryan Madsen to the Washington Nationals last season. Uh, this is a guy that's the number two prospect in the organization, 65-rated fastball. So this is a kid that hit the mid-90s before he had Tommy John. He had Tommy John a couple years ago. Scouts saw him right afterwards, still touching that mid-90s. I've seen him as high as 98, so he's definitely got a fastball. 50-rated curveball, I think that's something that Oakland has him working on. Uh, he started the season in high-A rookie ball. He has been promoted to double-A Midland. Uh, I know I said that they're working on the curveball, trying to get that major league ready. A 60 changeup and 60 for control. Uh, as I've talked on this show with Tate and with Jester before, the control is what stands out. This is a guy that's polished. He's got really good stuff. Stuff is what you look at with this kid. You, you watch some of his pitches, and you see he's just got command at both sides of the plate. doesn't matter what you know, left-handed batter, right-handed batter. He's got a plus changeup. He demonstrates a nice feel for adding and subtracting speeds with his pitches, especially that curveball that I talked about. We're talking about a guy that's got a nice, breaking sink at the end of that pitch movement late movement again as the gestures pointed out before is something we like to look for on these pitchers i look for a guy that started again started the season in high a two and one with a 1.23 era in just 14.2 innings 25 k's and a 120 batting average against 0.75 whips so you look at those numbers you see why he got his promotion now he's in midland 29 innings pitched two and one with a 3.72 ERA. So that ERA takes a little bit of a jump. But when I look at it, I look at 32 K, so only nine walks. So again, he's demonstrating the control, even as he's working on, let's say a new pitch with that curveball. There's a lot of internal battle in any of you know Oakland out there with the whole money ball situation. Front office doesn't want to spend the money to bring this kid up. But I think if you look at the managing staff, manager staff and some of the guys on that team, they're looking for this guy to come up this year. Overall, though, unfortunately, I don't think Bob Melvin gets his way. I think you see Jesus Cesardo is more of a dynasty league stash, a guy that could break Arizona next season with the club. Most likely, though, I think you're looking at a May or a June call-up for this kid next year. Has the stuff, I think his, his baseman, if you will, is a number three starter, but I think he's got the stuff to be a number two, possibly a number one starter when it's all said and done. Jesus Lizardo, the number two prospect in the Oakland organization, somebody I am definitely keeping an eye on. 
Great job, guys. Great job. And before, listen, I know some of you out there are waiting to get to the good doctor's interview that we have for uh, the crop report talking about the uh, MLB study. Before we get to that, I want to go over a couple of things. Just a great job. You know, I want to start out with Kyle Wright. You know, Tate, you were talking about him and, you know, a couple of these guys on this list. And, and I'm excited about this list because a couple of these guys are are near to dear to, to my heart for different reasons. Um, and we'll get to a couple of those guys. But first, I have to tackle that Kyle Wright. You started out there. And so I want to go ahead there. Uh, extremely talented pitcher, like you said, Tate. Again, the thing is only 69.2 innings, as you mentioned, on that arm. Does he have the tools? Yeah. Uh, you know, one of the things that we're starting to see early on through rookie and A-ball is a whip of 1.059 in those limited innings. So that was good. But now this year, as he progressed to double A. You see it jump up a little bit. You see that whip jump up to 1.386. All right. See those walks come up a little bit. And he did something that he didn't do all of last uh, season in those limited innings was he's given up two home runs after none last year. So, you know, he's got some time. I think next September is a realistic call up uh, for that, Tate. But again, when you're looking at that Atlanta, that Atlanta pitching staff, they've got time, don't they? Absolutely, they've got plenty of young guys already there at the major league level, and uh, Kyle Wright's just another one to to add to the quiver, another arrow in the quiver, so to speak. So he's just a uh, waiting for his spot, basically. And uh, I, I'll honestly tell you, I see this guy as being a a guy that. Uh, maybe keep an eye on to the Braves assign him to the Arizona fall league this year to get some extra innings on his arm and get him some more uh, practice and some more uh, time under the belt, so to speak, before they uh, give him an opportunity. And that's where I think, like you said, he's still early on only 69.2 innings so far. He, they've really got to build, build that arm up and put some more innings on it before he's going to be ready to be called up to the major league level. So I, that's where I think next year, maybe, mm-hmm. but probably a year and a half down the road, but uh, definitely a prospect prospect to be uh, Arizona fall league pitching for this year before he gets the call up. Without, without a question, without a question, he, he's a talented young arm that everybody should be paying attention to incredible uh, pitch tools that you mentioned the 65 fastball. And again, just somebody that needs to get that arm built up and there's no great hurry for the Atlanta organization to do so. So just keep it somebody that you're keeping an eye on or deep stash, depending on your league folks. You know, I want to keep going. Kyle Tucker, as we're on the Kyle run right now with somebody that JT gave and, you know, I, I happen to, He's out of Tampa, like JT mentioned, and because it is near to me, it's a young man that I've had the opportunity to watch rather closely, actually, and I want to clear up a couple of things that JT had mentioned, and then I want to talk to him about the actual call-up time. 
Uh, first of all, he does play all three fields uh, very well. His fielding percentage, left field is 990, uh, center field is 990, right field is 983 for a, a 988 fielding percentage, which really is, is really good. Uh, maybe a little bit underrated is his speed. One of the things that, uh, again, want to clean up a little bit. You're talking about a guy that, you know, he's a, He's the power hitter. I go ahead and I have him projected as a career 270 hitter roughly, but this is a guy that's a 30-30 guy. He has 30-30 potential. There, He has gone ahead, and when he was 19, he stole 32 bases in the, seat, in the season. As a 20-year-old, he, is, he stole uh, 21. So uh, – this is a guy that, again, he can give you that 30 home run, 30 steals, going to go ahead. He's going to be in that lineup. JT has alluded several times to the idea that if you're not a good defensive player, you're going to lose it at bat late in the game. This is a guy that's going to be playing all game long. Now, JT, what I wanted to ask you, though, is about that September uh, call up is that is that where you're leading to you, or did you say a little bit sooner with him? No, no, I think he could be up either right before or right after the All Star break. Look at the combined numbers that the Houston Astros are getting from their left fielders this year. They're atrocious. I believe it's like a 171 mm-hmm. batting average. The slugging percentage is way, way down. This is also a guy that if you watched him this year in the Grapefruit League, this kid absolutely raked in the Grapefruit League. Many people thought he should have broke spring training with the Astros, but we all know how service time and contract Super 2 status go. That's the only reason he didn't. I think the reason he got off to a slow start was I think he was trying to prove to everybody that he should have been on that major league roster, unlike somebody that you've mentioned in Vlad Guerrero Jr., who said, okay, fine, I'll just go about my business, I'll do my thing. And you look at a guy batting 437. But my point being, you talk about his stolen base prowess. It's great that he has that speed. I agree that he's got the speed. I just don't see in the Astros system A.J. Hinch running him very much. That's the problem I see with the stolen bases. Could be. I don't see Hinch letting him run. So he's got the speed, like you said, but it's the opportunity won't be there. But I'm calling calling for him either right before the All-Star break or right after. Very nice. Very nice. Good stuff. Keeping it moving, let's go back to pitchers now. Oh, I mean, uh, let's go back over to uh, another hitter right now. And another guy, again, he is uh, literally, this guy was in my backyard until I recently moved to the other side of Florida over. He's from Port Orange, and he went to Spruce Creek High School uh, there. Uh, Daytona Beach kid is Austin Hayes. You're talking about a guy here, and Tate is really uh, right on with this guy. A couple of things I want to go over, though. You're talking about a real old-school kind of player he's a kid that doesn't wear batting gloves okay he has a good slugging percentage he's a true hitter what happened with austin hayes is this he's a young man that's a 300 plus hitter he's done it twice okay he's done it over two years when he was 20 he was a 300 hitter when he was 21 he was a 300 hitter but the problem was they rushed him along so last year when he came up to uh, the, the majors and, and he got 60 at-bats, he only hit 217. 
And I don't know if it was because he was rushed. I don't know if he didn't have the confidence yet. But right now, he's still trying to figure it out again as he's back at double A and playing for Bowie in in, uh, double A, a place where he hit 330 last year. And he's currently only hitting 224. So you're waiting for this kid to get that confidence back. Once he shows that confidence, keep an eye on what he's doing, but he will be up. Now, Tate, you're saying September or are you saying before September? I would think it's all dependent on, like you said, the, the whole confidence thing and getting that batting average back to where it's been in the past. That's why I mentioned the fact that his career in the minors is a 308 hitter, yet he's batting 224 this year. And like we said, he batted when he got up last year in the majors with Baltimore yeah. in his 60 at bats, 217. So yeah. it really, it really just comes down to when does he get his confidence back and when does he figure it out? When do things click for him so that uh, he gets that batting batting average back up? I think it's if he goes on a streak and uh, you know like a, for a 10 game stretch hitting three 300 plus for a 10 game stretch, then the the Orioles make the call and bring him up and see if he can figure it out at the major league level too. So it's really just a matter of when does it click for him? If it clicks for him sooner rather than later, he'll be in the majors sooner rather than later. If it takes a little while, then it'll be September. I think no matter what goes on, he's definitely up in September, but the, I think the Orioles want him sooner but he's mm-hmm, got to mm-hmm. figure it out and get that batting average back up to that 300 level in the minors, at least. I could see him when they do call him up. If he's in the two 260 plus range, I think they'd be happy with that for this year and then improve on that next year and down the road. But definitely a guy, exactly. he'll be up this year at some point. It's just a matter of when, and then he'll most likely break camp with spring training next year, starting in the majors, I would guess. As an everyday right. player, yeah, I've got him. I, I don't have him coming up right away. I, I don't even see him up right after the All Star break. Maybe, maybe an August call up because of injury. Uh, uh, that's something. Again, they're going to want to see that kid get that confidence back, or at least no. Let me let me rephrase that. At least they should. That's my opinion. Getting to the last guy that we have here on the crop report, Jesus Lazardo. And again, somebody right here, folks, and should be near and dear, uh, coming from someplace that should be near and dear to, you know, everyone's heart across America. He's from and went to Stoneman Douglas High in Parkland, Florida. And uh, you're talking about, when you talk about a Jesus Lazardo, JT gave a young man that, again, He's going to be in the middle of a, a, a argument between the staff and the GM on the team about whether or not they should have him up. It's not a matter of if, it's just a matter of when with this kid. So if you've got a dynasty league, okay, you're looking at a kid that next year you should be going ahead and targeting, like JT mentioned, I believe you said maybe a September taste, but more like next year. I'm going to go along with that as well. I'm going to say that you're looking at 
one of those uh, Super 2 call-ups in June next year is a thing. Might get that little bit of a taste out of the pen uh, in September based on the idea of this, folks. He's gone through, in a short time, the kid's only 20. He's been through five different leagues so far. You know, JT was given those numbers earlier, and they all add up to an extremely talented young man that's been in five different leagues that has compiled a 2.28 ERA, a a .989 whip, sub-1 whip, folks, and a 10.9K per nine through five different leagues. It hasn't mattered. His talent has just transcended wherever it goes, and that's not going to change. So it just comes down to timing. Uh, JT, if I remember correctly, you have him as a number, uh, possibly number two guy. Yeah, I think his I think his basement is a number three starter, but I can see him easily being a number two, possibly a number one, if uh, he continues to develop that curveball. But just with what he has now, with the polish he has, you, you know, you look at some of his pitches, his fastball has a nice natural sinking action to it. The changeup mm-hmm. also has a little bit of a sink to it. It's just got that late movement and the control and polish this kid has, to me, says he's already a high-end number three, possibly a low-end number two once he gets to the show. All right. And real quick, just to put a nice little bow on, on this segment, since it is your team, I know you already have a feeling on this, I am sure. So uh, if you're saying he's a number two or a number three, coming down the road, you've got a lot of talent on that team. Some of it seems like half the pitchers are uh, getting Tommy John surgery this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, as you move forward, and let's say we're halfway through the season uh, next year and moving forward even the year after. Who is your one, two, and three then for the Oakland A's if this kid is two and three? Who do you have as one? Well, I think uh, a guy we haven't talked about yet because of the said Tommy John is uh, last year's first round pick, AJ Puck, six foot seven, you know, 230, 240 pound uh, left handed pitcher, power pitcher. That, you know, at the future, I mean, you look at what he did in uh, Arizona this year, kid was dominant. Kid has it. I think he's a bona fide number one starter. So when we look a couple years down the road, let's just say everyone's healthy. You look at the top of that rotation, you've got a guy like Puck, you've got a guy like Luzardo, and a guy that's really starting to develop who's already in the show now, young pitcher named Daniel Megden. So, you know, as things go along, you're starting to see – Yeah, oh, definitely. You're starting to see uh, Oakland's, shall we say, roadmap to success. You're starting to see that pitching staff round out. They're all young. And they're all talented. The question I want to ask, though, JT, with with those guys, is uh, when does Billy Bean trade them? Well, when you're looking at you're looking at Oakland trying to get a new ballpark, I think it's kind of the whole thing that Tampa's doing, or the thing that the Texas Rangers are doing. You know, right now they're not paying anybody. Once you start getting that new ballpark, you're going to have money coming in. Lou Wolf is gone. The reason Oakland has been a cheap franchise and a cheap organization for the last 20 years is because of guys like Lou Wolf that were too tight to spend any money. He's gone. So we have owners in there now that want to spend some money. Look what they did with Jonathan Lucroy. You know, $6.5 million for one year. Lou Wolf would have never signed off on that. So I think those days of trading prospects away are over. And uh, to answer your question, I don't think it's going to be anytime soon. 
Well, hopefully for your sake and your team that you're correct on that. Do me a favor. Uh, in closing, give me a one through four order of this pitching staff. Megan, Puck, Lizardo, Caprillion. I think you go Puck, Lizardo, Mengden, and Caprillion. Okay. Folks, that was the crop report with JT and Tate. Another great job, guys. Thank you so much. Folks, stay tuned. We're going to go ahead. We'll start that interview in a minute. Thank you so much for joining this portion of the crop report. We'll be back right after this break. Miami Sunglasses. Whether you are starting a small business, hosting a fundraiser, or have had a store for years, Miami Sunglasses is your direct source for quality wholesale sunglasses at the best prices. With over 800 styles to choose from, there is something for everyone. Check out their low prices today. That's Miami Sunglasses. Hi, this is Jim Rosenhouse with the Cleveland Indians, and you are listening to the Fantasy Jester. That's right. You're listening to the Fantasy Jester, and folks, this is one of those fun times again that I get to sit down and talk one-on-one And this is one for all you baseball fans out there. There was a commission on by MLB. And it was to check in 2015, 2016, 2017, why there's an increased rate of home runs. Now, this commission and and the chair of, uh, of the committee had to report directly to Morgan Sword, who is the Senior Vice President of League Economics and Operation, Reed McPhail, and you know the McPhail name if you're a baseball fan, son of Andy, grandson of Lee, Senior Director of Economics. You have Roy Krasick, who is the Senior Director of League Operations. That's who they all had to report, this report went to. And the group was a group of eight people, and it varied from places such as BrooksBaseball.net, Bowling Green University, USC, Stanford, Washington State, Caltech, MIT, MIT, folks. And it was led by my next guest. He was the chair. He is with us tonight from the committee. Again, when I say chair, it's the top dog. He's the guy in charge. He's the go-to guy for the answers on this. That's why we're with him tonight, folks. You know, once upon a time, experimental nuclear physicist. He is the professor emeritus of physics at the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign and has spent most of the last two decades doing research in various aspects of the physics of baseball. He's written numerous articles, both for academic journals and for media, and runs a very popular website. We'll make sure we get that at the end. He is a fan of the game, maybe not the correct team. We'll get into that at the end. Folks, it's my honor to bring on Dr. Alan Nathan. Doctor, how are you tonight? I'm doing fine, thank you. Thanks for having me on. Oh, appreciate it. No, thank you for making time for us. And I, I want to get right into this. This was this is something that uh, there are so many varying opinions and 
to be able to go ahead and sit and talk with you and, and get a true reading on what's going on. So first, let me ask you, what was the methodology involved in your report? It was sort of a threefold uh, methodology that we employed to study this issue of, of the increase in home runs. We were trying to find the cause. So one aspect of this was the uh, actual game data from Major League Games provided by the so-called StatCast system, which provides a voluminous amount of information about every pitch ball, every batted ball in Major League Baseball over the last three years. So one part was simply doing a careful analysis of those data. Two, we had uh, at our disposal a fairly substantial number of actual Major League Baseballs, some totally new and unused. Others were uh, game-used balls uh, that Major League Baseball uh, authenticates and then sells as souvenirs. Uh, and we used those baseballs in a laboratory setting to do our own measurements on them. And then the third part of this uh, was actually a field trip to Torrealba, Costa Rica, which is where the manufacturing facility is run by Rawlings, the Rawlings Corporation, uh, that makes all the baseballs that are used in Major League games. So it was th those three things uh, uh, mm -hmm. that it, that formed the basis of our studies. All right, wonderful. So when you did all this, what were some of, let's start getting into some of your findings. What were what were your initial findings, say, about the outside of the ball? Well, let me, let me, uh, let me uh, focus it a slightly different way. We went into this mm -hmm. because other, other people had, have been writing about this for the last several years. I mean, there's all kinds mm -hmm. of people out there who have done their own analyses and their own studies. And uh, in the end, you could sort of group these studies into uh, – Three people have found three different causes, three different uh, ways in which the number of home runs could increase. Number okay. and so we so let me let me let me break it up like that because that actually uh, that that's sort of how we ended up doing it ourselves. Uh, Great. Uh, it, it, very simply, uh, uh, it could be because the so-called exit velocity, the speed with which the ball leaves the bat, has increased for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. It could be because the typical or average launch angle, so the angle that the ball leaves the bat, has increased. And to, to hit a home run, you sort of want to be in the sort of the range 20 to 35, maybe 20 to 40 degrees, something like that. Uh, and if there's a tendency to increase that launch angle, uh, then you're likely to hit more home runs. And the third was... Uh, what happens once the ball leaves the bat, the so-called carry of the ball through the air, the aerodynamics of the ball. So those are the three things that we, we focused on and, uh, and through a variety of different methods, uh, again, uh, using both game data as well as laboratory data uh, to try to pinpoint which of those is the 
the ultimate reason, or is it a mixture of them, or is it something else altogether? So that was that was sort of how we focused our efforts. Understood, understood. So looking at the very first aspect of that, the exit velocity, what did you find? Okay, well, we found it, uh, uh, so through two methodologies. One, simply by looking at game data, looking at exit velocities taken directly from the game, uh, if the reason for the increase in home runs was higher exit velocity, you ought to be able to see that in the data because all those exit velocities are measured. And we found no indication that the exit velocity, an increase in exit velocity, was the primary cause of the increase in home runs. Now, you could go back and ask why might there have been an increase in exit velocity. Some people have speculated maybe batters are using different bats. Maybe they're swinging the bat harder. Maybe the ball is juiced. And when when talks about the ball being juiced, when you're yeah. talking about the what I like to call the bounciness of the ball. Of the ball. It, there's a technical name for it. It's the coefficient of restitution. But mm-hmm. it's a number that's regulated uh, by Major League Baseball. It has to fall within a certain range. And if it deviates from uh, the, the target that they're trying to reach, if it's higher, for example, the ball can be hit harder. So, you know, think, think of the difference between a baseball and a Super Bowl. You know, a Super Bowl is quite bouncy and a baseball is not. And that's the, that's the difference in the, uh, due to the coefficient of restitution. So there was, there was speculation that the ball was juiced, meaning it's, it's behaving more like a Super Bowl, not like a Super Bowl, but going in that direction than a, than a normal baseball. Anyway, we ruled that out. We ruled out any explanation that is due to an increase in exit velocity uh, from a combination of looking at the actual exit velocity data and this, mm-hmm. this bounciness factor, this coefficient of restitution, is something that you could actually measure in the laboratory. And we did, and we found no change. No, okay, so over those three years, through 2015, 16, 17, there was no change in that coefficient. Right. Uh, you, know, it, it, you know, admittedly with... Given the sample size that we had, which were dozens Correct. of baseballs, we saw no evidence uh, for any increase whatsoever, um, uh, it, it, which is totally consistent with what we actually observed in the in the game data. So we ruled that out as being the primary cause for the increase in home runs. Now, the next one was launch angle. What did you find right. out about that? Have the players changed their launch angle? Right. So... Uh, again, we have the ability to look at that because we have all this stat, so-called StatCast data that tells us what that launch angle is. Mm-hmm. And so what we found is uh, we certainly found you know, some individual players who had increased their home runs by changing their launch angle. I think the, the poster child for that was, was J.D. Martinez, who split the season last year between Detroit and uh, Arizona. Now he now he plays for the Red Sox. Who, who, who actually studied this whole problem and realized that he needed to increase his launch angle if he wanted to increase home runs. So we found individual players who may have done that. But if you look globally, if you look throughout Major League Baseball, 
from you know people that you would classify as sluggers to people that are you know m- more midland type uh you know maybe line drive hitters or uh, w- uh people without a, a lot of power you know some people with warning track power if you look throughout major league baseball at the whole spectrum uh we saw no tendency uh that launch angles were being increased to such an extent that that would explain uh, the increase in home runs. So we ruled that out. Interesting. Interesting. So now going to the, uh, I was reading it and talking about the actual pill, which is the center of the ball and the yarn itself. So none of that's changed. And what about the ball itself? What are you seeing there over those years? Was, is it is it the same ball inside and out? Well, people, that's another thing that, you know, there are people have speculated that the ball is really different. There was a small change in the pill that uh, turned out, it actually happened, I'm trying to remember when it happened now. We we wrote about it in the report. I think it might have been in 2015. Mm-hmm. Uh so there is a the the pill is uh, there is some mold that is used for making the pill, and apparently they had to refabricate the mold because simply from use it had worn out. And when what had happened was the mold the the dimensions of the mold and therefore the dimensions of the pill itself had started changing a, a, a slight amount. So when they decided to remachine the mold that they were using, they had to make a decision. Do they want to go back, make, make it back at their target uh, mm-hmm. diameter, or did they want to simply stick with the, with the value that had strayed from their target value? They decided to go back to their target value, and that changed the dimensions of the pill ever so slightly. And we looked at that very carefully and concluded, all right, yeah, that's a small little change, but it's truly insignificant uh, and in no way blame uh, the home runs. Uh, We saw no evidence of the yarn having changed. Uh, I mean, it was really very educational visiting this manufacturing facility in Costa Rica. I mean, we saw the the whole thing. The winding machines for the, you know there's three different layers of yarn. Uh, we wow. saw that. We saw the leather being stamped out. We saw the leather being treated. We saw the the huge room that's filled with people who spend all day long hand stitching uh, the leather onto wow. that big ball of wool. That's that's most of the ball. Uh, and the 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 it, it was quite impressive. What was especially impressive was the care that goes into making the ball. Uh, despite the fact that they're churning these things out pretty quickly, they're they're inspected multiple times. Sometimes simply by weighing it at each step along the way. Sometimes uh, uh, visual inspections. And uh, one of the surprising things that we learned was. Only about half the balls that they that come off their assembly line uh, are actually that you know they're divided into three buckets. One bucket goes to major league for major league baseball games. Another bucket goes to they're designated as practice balls, and then the other bucket is designated as souvenirs. Only about half are actually used for games. The others are rejected for one reason or another. 
the size came out a little wrong or the stitching was not quite regular or there was a blemish on the leather or whatever reason uh, they were rejected. I thought that was quite interesting to see that. That is good. And, you know, it makes me – and I apologize. We're going to get off of uh, for a minute here uh, because you've created a follow-up question for me, and you may or may not know this answer. Is there a different size ball for Major League Baseball as opposed to the minor leagues? Yikes. I don't know for sure. I don't think there is. I think the size of the ball is the same. So okay. There are other properties that might be different. And um, the minor league ball is not made at that facility, by the way. Only major league balls are made uh, at that Costa Rica facility. All the other baseballs, whether it's college level or high school, little league, and the minor leagues, they're all made in China. Very interesting. Okay. Now, folks, let me, let me just go ahead. You can go ahead and read this report. I have. It's uh, over 80 pages. And one of the things that, before we wrap this up, I just have to, because it's been, it doesn't take much to mess me up in this world, folks, as you, some of you may know. And this one really did. And I'm so happy to have the doctor on himself to answer this one for me, because I truly, in my eyes, I see it as an anomaly. Okay, folks, uh, I'm talking about the doctor's study and the commission study uh, on temperature and its effect on the baseball. Now, in 2015 on here, uh, on the uh, report, it followed a path that is more traditional towards your, what you would believe that, you know, in colder weather, it didn't travel as far in as well as it did as 80 degrees. But doctor in 2016, 2017, I noticed in the report that at 40-degree temps, the home runs per batted ball was actually higher than at 60 degrees and then proceeded to go as expected as the temperature rise. Uh, what caused that? Do you know what caused that? What happened there? Yeah, no, there, there really is a simple explanation. The, 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 the issue is really one of sample size. The, the thing is, there simply aren't that many games played at 40 degrees, and so there's very little data. And what you're seeing is just, uh, you know, random fluctuation from small sample size data. It's a very, very common problem whenever you're doing any kind of statistical analysis. So if you look at that plot, not to get into the weeds too much here, but if you look at the plot, mm -hmm. uh, this is figure 28 in the in the report, Note the yeah. size of the dots is is related to the actual number of batted balls there were at that particular temperature. And you notice that uh, there, those dots at the really highest temperatures and at the really lowest temperatures are, are really tiny. There just simply weren't that many. And that really is the explanation. Uh, so you could, you could go through a, a different kind of analysis, binning the data a little differently, and it would look probably more smooth. In this particular analysis, you know, you see this thing jump up, at low temperatures, but that's not a real effect. That's just simply small sample size data. Understood. So things, okay, well, things behave. Was... We we were happy that things were behaving the way you'd expect them to behave with temperature. Okay. All right. So uh, 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 and that was really, like I said, it doesn't take much to get me going. But I've been sitting there since reading that report, just going, 
I don't understand, but now I understand. It makes complete sense. I appreciate your time, doctor. You know, folks, if you want the opportunity, the, the doctor has a very popular site that you can go to. It's HTTP colon forward slash forward slash baseball dot physics dot Illinois dot E-D-U. Again, HTTP colon forward slash forward slash baseball dot physics dot Illinois dot E-D-U. Doctor, you know, I have to say it has been quite the honor to have you on, sir. But I have to ask you one question. With all of this knowledge, I mean, I couldn't be any more impressed with somebody's brain pan than yours, sir. Uh, And I sit here and I wonder, as a Yankee fan, how do you, with all that knowledge, still follow the Red Sox, sir? (laughs) Well, you know, it's an accident of birth. What can I tell you? I'm a New Englander by birth. I'm from the state of Maine originally. And, you know, loyalties die hard, okay? <laughs> you know, when, when I, I was taught up to be a Yankee hater and a Red Sox lover, and I haven't changed. <laughs> <laughs> beautiful, sir, beautiful. Thanks so much for joining us tonight, Doctor. You have a great night. You too. It's been my pleasure. I'm Arturo Freeman, former NFL player, defensive back, and I listen to the Fantasy Gesture. <laughs> listen to the fantasy jester and the good doctor and it's it was good we had a great talk afterwards as well probably just as long as what was not recorded as you can tell that was pre-recorded the other night and we continued talking i kept asking questions and we are going to have him on again he is doing further studies Uh, in a separate group now and uh, baseball has asked them to look at the uh, humidor effect now uh, and what the what the changes to the ball are he he was one of the people that said you know expect those changes in the humidor and when we get JT in in a minute I want to talk to him about it as well what went on but one of the things that I went ahead and this is just a quick snippet uh, uh, of what else we talked about And that's why I really can't wait until this is all done when it is complete right now. There's so many little variables that are going on that it could be a little perfect storm of a whole bunch of little things. Here's one of the things that I asked them about. I never, I never really thought that they would change the composition of the ball. I attributed it to to either two things. I was looking the other direction. I was looking at the bat and then also Pitchers are th- what? What is the average? And maybe this is something for the you folks to look at. I don't know. Maybe and maybe you have. What is the average pitch velocity over the last four years? Because yeah, it's, in my it's opinion, gone up. It's gone, it's, up. it's gone up a little bit, and that that can have a small effect, but but not a not a particularly large effect. Okay. Uh, pitch speeds haven't gone up that much, and you know, okay. uh, a mile, an extra mile per hour of a pitch speed will add about maybe uh, two tenths of a foot to a fly ball, something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. not not a lot, not a lot. Understood. So, 
So, again, like I said, there are so many questions I went into because they are still looking at it right now. That was the first part of their report. And one of the conclusions, JT, and what they recommended was this. They he mentioned that he had looked at the whole humidor effect and told MLB what would happen. And now he's going to look at MLB has given the directive now that the balls all be monitored, how they're being right. kept before the game and all that. And going to take a look at that data and then also look at the data. Here's what we didn't think about is – if you go humidor for every stadium, what will that do league-wide? See, because some stadiums, that'll help. Some, it'll hurt. What will that effect be? So there's so much more that's still yet to be looked at as they continue to go ahead and perfect the game of baseball, obviously. And it was a phenomenal conversation with them. I look forward to asking them more questions. I really do. Well, I mean, for me, the the one question we need to ask him is, can, can he blow a baseball up with us? We got to do that. <laughs> can he? Yeah, you know, that's the idea. Maybe we could just make a video of it. Hey, Doc, right. here, I'm going to send you my study. We blew up a, a dozen baseballs. We blew up the ball. <laughs> yeah, no, we'll blow up a dozen. We want to make sure it's a complete. We don't want to have that fluctuation due to incomplete data and all that stuff that he was talking no, about. No, exactly. So how many baseballs well, you know, the one, do you think we could need to blow up? Oh, I mean, at least a dozen. A dozen? Fourth of yeah, July. Listen, folks. No, folks, this isn't, this isn't ha, ha, he, he. I'm, Fourth of July is coming, and if you folks don't know what the jester does on Fourth of July, if you're saying a dozen, let's get the video of what we do to a dozen, to a dozen baseballs. What does it I'll take do it. to blow up a dozen baseballs? Grab a couple of the interns, you know, go send them out, go get some baseballs, get us some, uh, some explosives, if you will. Uh, I, I will say this, though. I'm not inviting Jason Pierre-Paul to play with us. He's not involved in this. Okay. <laughs> JPP, man, I know. Listen, sorry, my man. And I know you're here in Tampa. You could probably stop by. Right. You're not, you're not invited. Sorry. No, dude. you can't play. Yeah, the one oh, one no. thing otherwise, real quick on that, you're talking about the humidor. The one stadium that was notoriously a home run ballpark, uh, Chase Field down in Phoenix, yeah. they started using that humidor this year. I wonder what the effect is, say, so, so far this year through so many games versus last year on the home run ball because you're not really hearing so much about it being a launching pad anymore. It's interesting to note this. A, he told them there would be a a significant drop. And B, I don't know, Goldschmidt really isn't having a great home run year. Goldschmidt isn't having a great anything year. True. True story there. True story. No, listen, hey, but it was a good interview. I hope I hope you liked it. Absolutely. The guy's very informative. Had a lot of good but, stuff to say. So you actually liked it? What's Dare not I like? Say. I mean, you know. Oh, what's not to like? We got some good information. Uh, you know, where else are you going to get that kind of information? Where you know, this is the guy that MLB went to to handle this issue. So obviously, the guy's uh, you know has credit and knows what he's doing. 
Folks, this is coming from a guy. No, don't play. Don't make like, oh, I'm Captain Mr. Nice Guy. Okay. You know, you're the guy who has the clip that is now becoming famous. All right. And folks, you know, let me explain something to you. We don't always see eye to eye. People wonder, you know, what is the conversation? And it's funny because the, I wasn't my idea, but I, I love this. I love this. Folks, here, everybody talks about me. Everybody says, oh, it's Jester with the big mouth. Jester does this. Jester pisses people off. Okay. And the producers have helped me with something. First, let's go ahead. The clip that's famous, first of all. At least McNabb had had some physical (laughs) tools, okay? Other than being a tool, he actually had some physical tools as well. (laughs) Alex Smith has a wet noodle for an arm, okay? He makes Chad Pennington look like Dan Marino. So let's let's just be realistic about that. When you can say you turned Alex Smith fantasy relevant, you lead with your best foot. That's your best foot. And if you're Rex Ryan, you stay away from feet completely. And you wonder why that's become popular now, okay? But it's not just other people. You you really think that him and I see eye to eye on people and all that. That doesn't happen here. The the other day while we're waiting, we're, we're pre-recording and we are having a conversation. And this was picked up off of the microphones because that's how we were talking back and forth was through two hot microphones. And um, this is part of that conversation. At Carrabba's Italian Grill, people always seem to be saying, Wow! Especially now, because you can take home our delicious, sautéed-to-order spaghetti and homemade meatballs made with our family recipe absolutely free. Homemade spaghetti and meatballs for free? Just wow! Order one of your Carrabba's favorites, Chicken Brian, Chicken Marsala, Polo Rosa Maria, or our Chicken Trio, and take home made-from-scratch spaghetti and meatballs for tomorrow night's dinner free? Wow! Hurry into Carrabba's today and get free spaghetti and meatballs for tomorrow. Limited time only, now through May 6th. Carabas, Italian worth talking about. I, I don't know and will ever convince me otherwise. Number two you for your team, the, though. Talk Radio. He's number two. Uh, how's he Hold number on. two? He'd be a number two receiver. Be a the number one team for Mark. Number two. No. Pardon me? No, I don't. I look at a guy that's led the league in drops each of his first three years. He's 20 pounds overweight in OTAs again. His quarterback hates him because he can't trust him. I'm sorry. That team is built around two tight ends, Brayton Howard. They love what Chris Godwin gave him in his four starts last year, and they throw mm-hmm. the ball to the running backs out of the backfield. That's what Jameis wants to do. I don't see Jameis on third and ten. I don't see Jameis having the confidence that Mike Evans can come down with a football. He's a six-foot-four receiver that plays five-foot-ten. I'm going San Francisco rule on you. Go check his output every other year. I'll give me give me every other year. I don't care. I still don't want him. I'm just saying, this is his on year. <laughs> if we're going San Francisco, yeah. go check it out. Four yeah. years running, but he's on, off, on, but, off, on, off. But your quarterback has to have want to throw him the football. He can't do anything if Jameis don't want to throw him the football. It doesn't matter, Jameis. Jameis. Okay. But Jameis has to James throw him the college. ball because he's no, but he's not going to go ahead and not throw him the ball and look stupid on film either. No, but he he's has still to be gonna able look to go at to Cameron Brait, a guy that you pointed out two, three years ago. He's gonna look at Cameron Brait 
He's going to look at O.J. Howard. He's going to look at Chris Godwin. I bet you if you look at his progression, 65% of the time Mike Evans will be three or lower on the progression. The I, I just, like I said, we'll, well, not on his lesson, maybe not as the coach drew it up, though. See, maybe on what Jameis's preference is, but what, what the actual route uh, uh, read is uh, for, uh, and what the progression is, the coaches call that one. Jameis has oh, no Jameis has no choice. And let me tell you something: if Evans is the first of, is, is the first guy, and and he has that open, and Jameis doesn't throw it, that's going to be on Jameis. I, I that part there, it will. I don't agree with. I agree with the idea that yeah, Mike Evans drops a lot of balls for a guy who should he should be a number one on every fantasy team, and he's not. Okay, to me, he's a number two, and not even that to you. Not even I'm that not, to I'm you. You can see uh, everybody thinks we share the same brain just because, you know what, when we look at numbers, yeah, there's a lot of things that we do see the same. But, no, we don't always get along. We don't always see things the same. You heard how the clip is before and get making friends for the show. And here's the Here's the newest one, folks. I got blocked on Twitter today, by the way, so you're going to have to take over. Omar? Yep. How'd you know? Omar had enough of you? How the hell did you know it was Omar? Uh, I don't really know anybody you taunt. No, there's nobody that you taunt as bad as Omar. Oh, well, yeah. Well, no, Brett Farr blocked me, so, hey, you know, I'm an equal opportunity offender. Apparently, I go after all genders and races. You got more. How does it end up you have more people blocking than I do? I have one person. Uh, because you see, you try to be cryptic a little bit about it. I don't care. I told him he was an ass. Told me he was an ass clown. Who's he gonna hate this week? So. Listen, Omar. Omar is a, a character. Omar's negative. I, that's why I don't like Omar. He's already right. bashing Ryan Tannehill. He's already bashing Ryan Tannehill. He's bashing everything, and it was funny. The best was the other day he was saying something about Tannehill. I go, wow, that is completely different than what – and I purposely put what Walt Aiken said the other day on the show about him. Mm-hmm. And have a lot and, of deals. And did he respond? Oh, yeah, he sent over the crickets. Oh, well, yeah, there you go. And if that's not enough, let me just put the cherry on the JT montage Sunday. Yankees win! Ah, Yankees win! I hope during that time you sat back and enjoyed watching you just, you know, kill a lot of different things. You know, I mean, people's beliefs that we get along possible followers, families of those people, uh-huh. and just making uh-huh. friends everywhere. And I'm the big mouth. You want to continue that conversation hey. we were having just a couple of minutes hey, ago? All, absolutely. And all I can say is you're a wizard on the editing board because, I mean, you need to put that kind of fabricated stuff together like that. That's just, you know, <laughs> that's impressive. <laughs> oh, man. Hey, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm not that good at editing yet, folks. (laughs) 
No, no, no. I want to do my imitation now of a professional athlete that just got busted taking roids. See, I was unintentionally, uh, not knowingly being recorded at that point, see, and I was misled. I was misquoted. See, he misremembered everything. It's Roger Clemens on the other side of the line right here. He misremembered everything. See, he spliced that together. So I was misquoted. <laughs> but Omar probably is an ass class. I, I trusted I trusted the doctor I got it from. I was trusting Chester. Blame it on me. <laughs> I trusted him. How did you trust a man with a blue beard, sir? I, I just thought I could. Oh. <laughs> Who's the bigger I'm fool? Sorry. The fool or the fool that follows him, right? <laughs> oh, all right, if there's anybody still there that is just, you know, not laughing and really wants to get to the serious portion here, it is the truth, though. We were talking some football, and I, I went ahead in the group this week and had a serious conversation, and that's what I really do want to get to, is, first of all, JT, I put together a group of three quarterbacks three quarterbacks that I felt were close enough to create a debate. And boy, if you were in the year round fantasy football discussion group, yeah, it turned into a pretty good one. Jimmy G, Jimmy G folks, Ryan Tannehill, Eli Manning, put them in order of fantasy points finish. JT. Mm. So, yeah, we've seen, what, a five-game piece from Garoppolo last year in San Francisco under Kyle Shanahan's offense. I think mm-hmm. a, a full offseason there, you get a kid like Jarek McKinnon, who excels at running routes, catching the ball out of the backfield. Uh, they've added a couple other weapons for him, a left tackle as well. So, I think at this point, looking at it from a fantasy perspective, i got to go with Garoppolo at one. I want to see Tannehill stay healthy. I want to see how that knee's doing. You know, we've talked to Ryan Walton. We've talked to Walt Aikens. We've talked to, you know, Fins on Fins that, you know, Ryan looks incredible in camp. I still want to see it. I think with the addition of Hernandez and Saquon Barkley and the, the exodus of the idiot that was the head coach for Eli last year in New York, I think you're going to see a lot better season out of Eli. You know, Odell Beckham back. Ingram's emerged as a tight end, Sterling Shepard. So I take it Jimmy G, Eli, and Ryan would be my order. Wow. Wow. I guess I'm, uh, I, I, I really, I've got that a little, uh, I've got that a little different. I have to admit folks. And mm-hmm. I'm going to, I'm going to get bashed for being a homer on this. I got Tannehill ahead of my own Eli Manning. I think you're going to see a lot of run game this year out of the giants. Finally. Mm-hmm. But don't forget, Saquon catches the ball extremely well out of the backfield. Uh, again, we gave this guy as a Marshall Falk type of player comp, and I think he's going to show it. So, you know, Eli's going to get those numbers from someone. And I think that, that Tannehill's just going to do the same. You're going to see a lot of spreading the ball around out of him. Mm-hmm. He, the, one of the things that came out, and matter of fact, I believe it was today, this morning, uh, the hours are running together, folks. I believe it was this morning that I read that the offensive coordinator said that the year off watching it has done him a world of good. Came out today, I mm-hmm. think it was. 
And I'm sorry, I really see him stepping up, surprising people. I wouldn't be surprised. And again, I'm going to get beat up. Folks, you got to understand, I'm not a homer. And if you've listened to any of the shows that have gone on the past two years, you'll understand that to be true. Tannehill could be your comeback player of the year. There's no... Okay, let me ask you something. Other than Brady in his own division... Who does he have to worry about? Well, well I mean, you, you're look, getting look, the idea that there's there's this opening of somebody we had coming same in. Conversation. We had the same conversation this time last year about how this was the year that Miami would this be the year Miami would challenge New England, right. and a lot of people yeah. thought it was. Now, granted, Tannehill went down in August. That makes it kind of difficult right. to do. But being a Dolphin fan my whole life, I've heard it. I heard it several times. This is, is this the year? Is this the year? I'm not right. willing to say it's the year until I finally see something to suggest that, that, that that's here. I want to see Tannehill make it through. You know, we're talking about this conversation maybe the week before uh, kickoff. Maybe a different story. I just want to see Tannehill stay healthy. I understand. And I understand that. I, I, what we both agree on is that we have Jimmy G first. Uh, we we mm-hmm. definitely have that. I'm just saying people are going to be a little surprised. This kid stays healthy, and why shouldn't he? Plenty of people have had a hurt knee before. Not, he's oh, not yeah. the first player. Okay, that's no. going to have to come back from it. So, Now, speaking of uh, injured players coming back, we have Dalvin Cook. I did the same thing now, folks, with running backs. I took three running backs, and I'm going to ask JT to go first. I took three running backs, and I said, okay, where are they going to end up now in a PPR league, pass per, uh, points per reception league? Dalvin Cook, Shady McCoy, Melvin Gordon. What's your order, James? Yeah, it's, well, it's funny, the three players you bring up, because all three of them have had injuries, if you will, that have cost them some time. Cook coming off mm-hmm. an ACL Gordon actually with a breakout year last year after some injuries the year before that. And now you're talking about a, a 30, close to 30 or 30-something Shady McCoy on a team that could be starting, well, either A.J. McCarron or Mr. Allen at quarterback. I think Buffalo is going to see a lot of stacked boxes. They lose a guy like Incognito, Eric Wood. I think that's some tough guys to replace on that line. So in my, my opinion, looking at that, I'm going to bump Shady down for that reason. Uh, Dalvin Cook. McKinnon, you know, Jerick McKinnon's gone. So Cook staying healthy gets all those passes and those balls thrown thrown to him. And now you're talking Kirk Cousins doing that. So I think just on on sheer talent, you know, alone, mm-hmm. I'm going to go Melvin Gordon one because he's all their offense. They lost Hunter Henry. Um, you know, Keenan Allen's not the picture of health generally, and Philip Rivers is getting up there. So I'm going to go Gordon one, Dalvin two, and Shady McCoy will be three. Hmm. Interesting. I like it. You're pro- well, I'd be shocked if you agree with me on this one then. Um, I have Dalvin Cook one. I have Shady McCoy two. Melvin Gordon three. Dalvin and Cook, the only reason- people remember. Go ahead. Well, I like I like what you're saying. The reason I would disagree with that is Stephon mm-hmm. Diggs, Adam Thielen, 
Kyle Rudolph, Laquan Treadwell, Latavius Murray. I just think there's too many mouths, and Kirk Cousins still wants to throw the football. I think there's too many mouths to feed uh, on that offense for him to be number one. Okay. All right. The idea is for me, as I look at it, okay, and I understand what you're saying and, and of course, have to agree with the, the weapons on this team. And knowing that the weapons on this team, just a sidebar on this one, folks, knowing the weapons on this team and Kirk Cousins' completion percentage really should have your eyes on this Minnesota offense come fantasy year. Um, I'm taking Cook just simply because of what he showed prior to getting injured, knowing that he is in an offense where they're not going to draw eight in a box on him. They're not going to be able to. All right. And also know that Kirk Cousins also likes going to his backs. Ask Chris Thompson. Mm-hmm. So um, then when you go to Shady McCoy, the only reason why I have Shady in second is just simply because he's going to face eight a lot. And I love the guy. I think he's highly talented, but I think he's just going to face too many defenses that, no, we have to key on him. That's, that's going to be their goal is to shut him down. And so it's going to be interesting from there uh, and make the quarter, you know, the rookie quarterback or, or AJ McCarron have to beat them. Melvin Gordon, I simply have third, and this is probably for the saddest reason. I don't see him finishing the season. That's why I have him the lowest. Well, I, I take the question as premise that each guy plays. But I, I agree took with the question Gordon. is, I took the question is, yeah, each guy plays, and I can't see him ever playing the whole year. I tried. Right. Well, he had a pretty big year last year. I mean. You know, receptions, runs, the guy ran between the tackles, ran off tackle. Uh, I think San Diego offense could be a sneaky, uh, you know, source of of talent this year. People forget Mike Williams, a high pick last year that had the back surgery. No one's talking about him. So I think that could be an explosive offense. But I agree with you. I agree with your premise on what you're saying. We've seen year – too many times in the past where you saw a guy get a heavy workload – at running back the following year him him be a little step slow that caught up with him mm-hmm. a lot of times you see that fluctuation in the backs and I just feel that this is going to be one of those years that if he's not injured he's just going to constantly be dinged and dented from last year's use just warm uh I don't know we'll see yeah that, that's the best part uh, some of these uh, crazy-ass predictions of mine uh, we talked about last year with uh, with the kid from Chicago, Trubisky. Mm-hmm. Right. Talked about this week year. Six, yeah. yeah, week six. And uh, he, that's what it was. And we've talked baseball. And for those of you still uh, listening in for baseball fans out there, if you've missed it, uh, this is it. Uh, I've called this week. And even more directly, I, I said it, it'll be sometime this coming week, the next seven days. By the time we come on the air again, Vlad Jr. should be called up. And that's been my prediction. And matter of fact, more distinctly, I've said for the June 5th. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, and I'm standing by it. Listen, uh, I, I come up with some of these crazy-ass predictions. And more times than not, for whatever reason, they come to fruition. 
And there's times mm-hmm. where, you know, they, they just don't. But this one here, I, I think we're on to something with this one, JT. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You're looking at a kid uh, betting 437, had a 37-game hit streak snap the other day. Uh, next day went out first at bat, started a new one. So advanced, advanced hitter. And his dad taught him to be a worker. It's funny because we talked about earlier those Yahoo leagues. And I don't know how it is for the ESPN format other than I have one team on ESPN format, folks. And that is our custom league that we have with uh, JT as the commissioner. And on on the Yahoo, just the other day, JT, this will tell you how much people are just so hooked on Vlad. Nine out of ten leagues, I went around and I said, you know what, let's go see for shits and giggles, because my teams are usually pretty offensively stacked right from the get-go. Let me go see how many teams I can go get Eloy Jimenez. Mm -hmm. Now, here's a bat that's going to be coming up and pretty much almost as talented from a batting standpoint as Vlad Jr. He's got the power. He's got a 70 power tool. Yeah, I mean, Let's see. 70 power tool, what's his hit tool? Like 60, 55, 60? 60. 60. So you're talking Vlad at 80 and 65 respectively on hit and power. So I still think I, I think I'd value Vlad a touch over him, but but definitely Oh yeah, 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 him. yeah. But what I'm saying is is that he's close enough that he shouldn't I mean, he really shouldn't be lost in this kid's shadow that much. To the point of this, I, like I said, I thought it was a lost cause. Nine out of ten leagues, he was still available. Mm-hmm. Not anymore. No, as he shouldn't be. No, no. I had to grab him, folks, and go ahead, grab him, too. Anything else you want to throw out there for anybody before I get into the charity auction and what's going on, JT? Well, no, I'm waiting to hear about this. So uh, what do we got next here? What do we got for baseball this time? This up here, okay, the next two are going to be baseball. The first one, you know, I'm going to go with my two teams, Tampa Bay and the Yankees. And the first one's going to be Tampa Bay, folks. For you folks out there, we're going to have a family fun pack, okay? You know, you ever hear those family four packs, the fun packs, JT, where they have the four, four ticket specials and all that stuff? We have a family four pack of fun of signed baseballs for you Tampa Bay fans. And remember, folks, just like the jersey, 100% of all proceeds go to Make-A-Wish. We have a four-pack of signed baseballs with letter of authenticity for the following Tampa Bay race. We have Matt Duffy. We have Brad Miller. We have a very interesting signed ball for all of you. Very rarely do you get a ball signed by two players, and it is the current position holder and the future coming star pro- prospect. We have a Denny Hitchenavaria signed mm-hmm. baseball and his replacement, the top one of the top prospects in all of MLB, Willie Damas sign the same baseball. And then the final ball, which will probably end up with dad. You know, you think of the family four pack. Okay. This one's probably going to end up with dad. 
you've got a signed ball by a, a, a kid that everybody knows that I love personally, great young man, Chris Archer, folks. Uh, so that is your four-pack. You, you've got Brad Miller, Matt Duffy, a Danny Hetchinavaria, Willie Adamas, and uh-huh. Mr. Chris Archer. So actually, five okay. signatures, four balls, and that right. auction – that auction will be starting in two weeks. We'll announce it again next week. We'll give you all the details next week. And in two weeks, the auction will start for that. Good luck, everybody. And thank you again for all the kids at Make-A-Wish. I want to thank you for your generosity. JT, good stuff, my man. Good stuff. Absolutely. Hope, uh, hope we have a good week. Hope this edition is going to be interesting, folks, as we report back next week on that whole prediction and stuff. JT, thanks so much for another great show, my man. Absolutely, Jester. Looking forward to next week already. Yeah, going to be good times. And, folks, thanks so much for joining us. As always, we are privileged to have each and every one of you listen to us each week so that we can wrap our lives in sports in the way we do. And I have to send you out with a smile. Hi, this is Bob Tewksbury, former Major League pitcher and author of 90% Mental, and you've been listening to Jester Fantasy, or Fantasy Jester, shit. <laughs> uh, yeah, you could, you, could, you could use that. You could. Can I? I might. Yeah. It's all right with you. No, I think it'd be funny. I am the Jester, and I am out.